Lighthouse of Hope. How's everybody doing this morning? Come on, you're doing better than that. How's everybody doing? Yeah. You ready for a word this morning? I hope you come ready and receptive. And after that worship, that, that plowing, that doing the hard work of preparing the soil, you are ready to receive a word as we focus our attention on the one in the middle. I haven't had a voice for the last three or four days. And... Um, so bear with me, and I'm going to need you guys to shout a little bit louder. You know, I, today's Pentecost Sunday, talking about a little bit of the Holy Spirit, but the one in the middle is we're going to be talking about, but the Holy Spirit is my hero. And I'll get into that, but I want you guys to know that when I say things like um, amen, or th- those types of things, um, I'm encouraging you to agree with me. You know, I know when I'm sitting out there and Pastor Tim's preaching, something happens sometimes in my spirit where I need to testify. And I don't, I'm not sure if Pastor Tim knows. There's, there's times when I'm preaching where I can sense that. I'm, I'm in a moment and I'm like, someone needs to hear this. Other times, I don't know if I know. And you have the same Holy Spirit as me It's not just Roberta, but you have the same Holy Spirit as me. And you have an opportunity when something hits in your soul to testify and say, Dustin, keep going. You understand what I'm saying? And you agree with me. We're in this together. And you say, man, that that hits something in my heart. And I say, amen. And I can go, well, I guess that means I should keep going, you know. And so I just want to encourage you. We're all in this together, right? And so, so feel free to interrupt me. Feel free. I mean, don't stand up. You're, they didn't give you the platform. I'm sorry. They didn't. But, but I just want to encourage you with that. It's all right to interrupt me. If you need a, a praise break, stand up, shout, and dance. Do whatever you need to do, okay? We're going to continue this worship service. This ain't no lecture, okay? So Lord, have your way in us today. Let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 11. And we're going to read a story together uh, with a couple people in the narrative, uh, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and Jesus. Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and Jesus. I'm believing for an impartation of life today. Do you want life in your church? You want life in your family? You want life in your marriage? Find Jesus. Look to Jesus Fix your eyes up on the one in the middle. He wants to impart life today. Okay. If you're there in John 11, say, I'm there. Good. All right, here we go. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany. When I read this, Duke was there. He said, Lazarus, his cousin, Lazarus. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. That's important. You know Jesus loves you today? No matter what you're going through, Jesus loves you and he wants to lavish his love upon you. How wide and how deep and how great is the vast love of our Savior for each person. You're not exempt from that either. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. What? I don't get that, do you? You probably heard messages on this before, but. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said a short while ago, the Jews were try, uh, tried to stone you. And yet you're going back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble for they will see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. 
It's important to notice this point before we move any further, that it's dangerous to walk in the darkness. Some of us, while we're struggling and we don't turn to the light of the world, which is Jesus, it can get really dangerous. And how I've been talking, if we're not focused on the one on the middle, we can get off. And those who walk in the darkness with no light, it's easy to stumble, Jesus said. And I know a lot of us are in tough situations or circumstances or seasons, tougher than I am, let's just say. But the Lord wants to shine his light on your situation so that you do not stumble. Verse 11, after he had said this, he went on to tell them, my friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. This is always funny. I always laugh at this part. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Do that to me. Clarify to me like that, God, please. For your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. I'm talking about this morning, living according to the Spirit in the midst of not yet. In the midst of not experiencing maybe what you thought God was going to do, what you thought God was going to pull through, or God was going to fulfill this promise, this thing that he spoke to you verses earlier. Do you believe that your story, your life is going to end in death? And God's here today to tell you, no matter what situation you find yourself in, it's not going to end this way. If you're still breathing, if you're still alive, if you have breath in your lungs and a heart that is beating, your story is not going to end this way. Someone say amen. We have a hope for tomorrow. Come on. Go ahead and interrupt. I'm telling you. We have a hope for tomorrow, a living hope, which we've just sang about. And you have a hope beyond the grave. You have a hope beyond the failures and the flaws and the mistakes. You have a hope today. We believe as a church, and I believe as your pastor, we believe as a, as a dad, you need the Holy Spirit in this life. We believe as a mom, you need the Holy Spirit. As a family, you need the Holy Spirit. As a single person, you need the Holy Spirit. And you are a part of this family, and this family needs the Holy Spirit. We can't be afraid to talk about the Holy Spirit. You know, we talk about Jesus and the Father, and it's beautiful, but only one of them is really here right now. Think about it. And we're afraid to talk about Him because it rubs the world a certain way. There's a Holy Spirit It's a person, and he's here, moving among us, talking to us, and he's living inside of those people that are saved. He's inside of you. Let's tap into the Holy Spirit. The power that's at work within you is the same power, we'll get to that, that raised Christ from the dead. Thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit. We need to sing about the Holy Spirit. He's beautiful. But when you talk about Jesus and you talk about the Father, we understand the Holy Spirit's in the midst. But so let me ask you this. Who is your hero? Who is your hero? Thor? That's 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 one of my heroes. The Hulk? Ragnarok. I mean, that's a, that, that's a great movie. You guys seen that? It's Thor and the Hulk. If you're like a muscle head or something, you'll probably like that movie. I like that movie. It's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> Who is your hero? You know, on a serious note, we all have a lot of heroes in our lives, don't we? People that we look up to, we aspire to be like. There are people who are my heroes. My parents are my heroes. A lot of ways, look up to my dad. Oh. Um, yeah. Amazing example, doesn't need to be in the spotlight. If you don't know my dad, you need to know my dad. If you have a negative thing to say about him, you're probably the devil. Because I don't know anybody, <laughs> I don't know anybody that has a negative thing to say about Tim Wharton. There's many people that I look up to. I look up to my brother. I look up to my siblings. I look up to my wife. If you're watching this, Shannon, I look up to my wife, you know. Um, 
I just think back to when we first started getting together about five or six years ago. And uh, when, man, I had all the feels. I had all the feels. And I remember that was the moment when we released Blood Red Sky. I mean, I was writing a song a week. My creativity was off the charts. I was just like free flowing. And it's, it's, still, it's still there. It's still beautiful. But, you know, it's amazing when you... You know, some people are called to be single or whatever, but um, not or whatever. It's important, but it's a calling. But it's something when you are a man and you experience life from the vantage point of a woman. And they bring a lot of life to your life, right? And um, you, it, it's, a, it's essentially like you see the world 50%. And then when they come in, you're like, wow, we have, there's so much more to this world right, from the other person, and the woman says, yeah, we see it all right, and they see it all wrong. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh, my, light, loosen up, guys. No, no my wife's my hero, and, and she takes care of our kids extremely well, and um, servant heart, all the moms, I know it's not Mother's Day, but the servant hearts of you guys is just incredible. And as a pastor or as, as leaders, you can't, you can't do it without them. And, and in life, it's not good for a man to be alone. It's important. It's important to communicate. It's important to talk. It's important as the man, essentially the leader of the house, to open up and say and ask for the opinion and to submit as Jesus does to the church. And so the church back to Jesus is the same way. But who is your hero? I, I kind of have this definition. Heroes are people, obviously there's the rescue mentality, but heroes are people who inspire you to live differently. Have you ever noticed that about your wife or someone that you're with or your husband um, or someone that you look up to? Well, inspire you to live differently. Without them, you don't know what your life would look like. The Holy Spirit is ultimately our hero. He's my hero, the rescuer. He rescues me from my natural susceptibility to be bound and hindered through living according to the flesh, what I was born with. We have no ability apart from the Spirit to live contrary to the flesh. The flesh is too strong. It's too natural for us to live according to the flesh. We need someone to rescue us, amen, to set us free. Genesis 6 says every inclination of the human heart is sinful, and the acts of the flesh are shown in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. But in contrast, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22 is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But if you are led by the Spirit, which is so important, you are not under law. What does that mean? You are not bound anymore to a yoke of slavery. You are therefore now free. And he is my hero, and he should be your hero today too. Let him come beside you and rescue you, you into this life of fruit. He rescues us from life. He rescues us from ourselves. He rescues us from the enemy, from the world. He is our rescuer, and he inspires us to live differently. Don't be afraid to reach out to him today. Let's pray as I take a drink. <laughs> Come on, you pray too. Lord, resurrect my life today. Inspire me to live differently, hero of my soul. The Holy Spirit who allows us to see Jesus clearly. He points to Jesus. He's in this room right here, right now. The dove is in this room. And he looks to you and says, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. He stands with an open hand for your life and he wants to guide you. Let it be, Lord, speak to us in Jesus' name. And everyone says with a loud voice, Amen. Amen. You're going to like this, Ollie, Connor. Any of you guys been hunting before? 
Come on, raise your hand. Where's the hunters at? Come on, Mr. Hamilton, where are you? I just talked to you for like 30 minutes before this and got way off subject, okay? I, I started hunting about uh, five or six years ago. And uh, thanks to my wife's family. <laughs> if anyone knows the Colettes, no, I had this kind of a natural desire. I don't know if it was like a manly instinct that I wanted to hunt, but I just, ne- I just never had anyone to take me. How about you? Like my whole life. And then when I got to know Chantel's family, I was like, man, this is cool. You know, I don't have anything else to do. I'm just this old retired athlete. I'm like, might as well find a hobby. So <laughs> I started hunting with my, with my brother-in-law, Sean, and he's not here this morning. It'll probably be his second service. But if anyone knows Sean Collette, he's like, the man, right? He, he's a good, he's, a, he's an avid hunter. We just went turkey hunting. We didn't see anything last week. If you guys were asking, I wasn't, wasn't sure. We, we didn't see anything, but you know, when you start out, you need someone to take you. Have you ever looked up like guide trips? Those of us who, who are hunters look up guide trips like to Montana. Or yeah, Connor all the time, Nikki. I mean, geez, look up guide trips. What they are, if you know a little bit about hunting and you want to go to like Montana or Alaska, you want to hunt elk or you want to hunt moose, you get someone, Trey, to be your guide. You get someone to take out there that knows the lay of the land. There are places you can go and hunt that you've never been before and it would be really dangerous if you went alone. So you hire a guide who knows the lay of the land and the territories, knows where the animals like to travel and bed and knows how to survive in this unknown territory. Now imagine... Instead of you having this nice, pretty little hunting trip with the plans of your guide, you decide when you get out there to do your own thing. Don't do your own thing. And you get lost. (laughs) And now the guide goes from guiding to rescuing. Where are your coordinates? Help me find you. The Holy Spirit is the guide. He knows the lay of the land. He knows it inside and out. He knows how to set you up on a good one. He knows how to give you opportunity. He knows how you can win. He's done it many, many times. The Holy Spirit is the guide for this unknown journey. He knows what works. He knows what doesn't. He knows how to guide you into truth. And he knows how to steer you away from evil. He also knows where to find you, but confront where you are. Be honest. Get that walkie-talkie out. Here are my coordinates. (laughs) Be honest with him and let him come rescue you. That's what he's come to do. Rescue us who have lost our way. The Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, if we confess where we've gotten off, if we confess where we've lost our way, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all of our unrighteousness. In other words, he will come no matter how far away and rescue you, no matter what depths your life is in, he will come and find you and he won't give up. Come on, somebody. He will not give up. If we confess where we've gotten off, he can rescue us and then return to being the guide. How does he do this? How is he the guide? 1 Corinthians 6 says, do you not know that your bodies are temples housing places, resting places of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. This changes everything for the believer. This changes everything. Why is this so important? Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm not going to be here. In John 16, Very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the one who will be beside you to rescue you, your hero, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So that you people in the little town of Western Maryland talking about hunting can receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's not limited to Jerusalem or Judea 
or the Middle East, but every person near and far can receive the miracle of Almighty God and you have them inside of your soul and we live oftentimes as dead people, the same as the world. And it's a shame. We talked about it in Ephesians 3. 20, that God can do immeasurably more than all you ask, think, or imagine according to what? The power that's at work within you. We're talking about the Holy Spirit, not ourselves. It's in you. I mean, it blows me away when I heard that when I was a a teenager and that hit me because I would much rather Jesus be here than Dustin. (laughs) And you would rather Jesus be preaching to you than Dustin. I get that. I get that. No offense taken. Don't comment that on the thing. But we all now have access. We all, every person of us. It's not just me. It's every one of us. I don't care where you came from, how you came in or how you're leaving. I don't, I don't care. The Bible tells me that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you shall be saved. Therefore, that means the spirit will now come and live inside of you. The old is gone and the new creation, the new ruler has come to live inside of you. Stand in faith and believe that son and daughter. The way is the blood of the lamb and it's enough for you and it's enough for me. So let us keep in step with our guide, the Holy Spirit. What is amazing about our guide is he becomes one inside of our soul. As the two become one, the more you live according to the Spirit and you marry your soul to the power of the Spirit in your life, the more you become like him. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Go with a guide for a while And after a while, it'll end up being natural for you too. And all you hunters, you get that. Go with somebody that knows the land for a while and learn, be an apprentice of them, and eventually it'll become natural for you too. We're called to be apprentices of Jesus, to follow Jesus, to live like Jesus. He is the way to live this Christian life. And I want to be an apprentice to my guide so that not that he will ever leave, but my nature, even though it's sinful, will eventually, the more I'm with him, become natural for me too. Has anyone experienced that? Come on. So back to John 11, if you're in your Bibles. Verse 17. We know the situation of the story. So Jesus says that Lazarus is dead. So on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Already been dead for four days. Jesus said that this sickness will not end in death. And you're sitting here and saying, well, it's been four days, man. And you're not here. You ever been there? Jesus promises you something and you're standing there four days later like. You, pro- you, pr- you promised me or it, it wasn't even my thought like, like this is the situation. This is what happened and here I am. And you said that 17 verses earlier, you said Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss of their brother, but not Jesus. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. I'm sure you've heard messages on that. I'm not going to go there right now. I just think maybe it might be a personality difference. Martha's the hard worker and she's going, and she's this type A person that's go, 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 and you read it later in the chapters. And Mary's the one that sat at Jesus' feet. Maybe she's just an emotional wreck and she's just sitting there. I don't know. But Mary stayed at home. Verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What faith, right? But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus says to her, in the midst of the darkest place of, their, of the sisters' lives, 
I am. Not I will be. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? When the promise dies, Jesus comes beside you and says, I am the resurrection, but you let Lazarus die, Lord. How can you say that? We know you will be the resurrection and the life. We know in heaven, we know you can restore things in heaven. We know later you will become this for me. But he says in reference to what God Yahweh says to Moses, what shall I call you? He says, I am. All throughout John, he says, I am. Right now, what do you need? Let him bring life to it. I am the resurrection and the life. Life happens with me. I call things that are not as though they are. I am not slow in keeping my promise, as he says, this before the miracle. He says it independent or standing alone from the miracle. No matter what your life looks like today, I'm here to tell you, he is the resurrection and the life. Don't forget, he stands right here with such audacity in the midst of the storm and, and all the struggles and says, I am still today the resurrection and the life. Come find it in me. If I'm not mistaken, that spirit lives inside of you. So you can't give up and you can't give in. You still got breath. You still got life. You still got purpose. In the midst of the dead situation and the dead things, Jesus stands with such boldness and courage to this woman filled with grief. If you would have been here and he says, I am the resurrection. Ego in me. I am that I am. Do you believe this church? Yeah, he says this. You got to get this. He says this independent of the miracle. He says it before the miracle. He's not saying, I am and I'm going to show you. He says, no matter what your situation looks like, no matter how dead, no matter what the valley of dry bones looks like today, speak, I am the resurrection and the life. And he wants to show you today. By the power of his spirit, he wants to show you. And I believe that. She says in verse 27, yes, Lord. She replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. See, this is what makes me think it was just her personality. She wasn't sort of just staying there pouting, saying, I'm not going to talk to Jesus. I don't know. Because when Jesus asked, Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village. Remember, it was four days. It's been four days. But it was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house uh, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she's going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come, this is just incredible. Along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. In verse 35, the shortest verse in all of the Bible, Jesus wept. Christian, this is how we're supposed to mourn loss. Jesus mourned. Jesus wept. Jesus was filled with compassion, deeply moved with empathy. His heart was broken. His heart was torn. He just declared with such power and boldness, I am the resurrection and the life. And he knows what he's going to do. But even in the midst, it doesn't change the grief of the here and the now. It doesn't change it. But we hope we just don't end there. 
it's not going to end there. Remember verses ahead? It's not going to end like this. That dead promise that God's given to your life, the things you've been holding on to that you've yet to see the fulfillment or the fruit of, I'm here to tell you, believe that it's not going to end this way. Your life is not going to end this way. But even in the midst, I'm not here to belittle the struggle and the challenge and the deep grief and the pain. Even Jesus wept. You say, who did he weep for? I think it was everybody. He wept that Mary and Martha were going through this. He wept that Lazarus had been dead. He wept at the Jews surrounding. He, Jesus is just, he's just there. He's just present. That's what's so awesome about Jesus. He's always just present. Verse 36, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man I've kept this man from dying. That's true, but man, that's unnecessary to bring that in, isn't it? To be that type of person, to, to, to question so much. It's all right to question, but man, look at this. Just, just, just be in the moment. Just be present. I'm trying to figure out all the answers or put the puzzle pieces together. Give someone a Bible verse. Just be present like Jesus. Jesus just wept. Jesus, once more. Come on, can you get the picture? Set the imagery, set the stage. Jesus once more deeply moved. You've read this before, but can you just imagine tears flowing from Jesus' face when he stands there and comes to the tomb and he sees the situation? There's a tomb and there's a stone in front of the tomb and Jesus is standing there deeply moved. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And Jesus says, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor for he has been there for four days. In other words, it's too late. Even the promise of your word, no, it's not going to look the same, feel the same. It's too late. You can't restore it, Jesus. Four days is just too late. There's a stench now. You can't make him live. You can't make this live. What are you done praying about? What have you done standing on the word that you've, you've stood on for 40 years? I'm here to tell you it's not over yet. I mean, it's not over yet. He's not too late. And Jesus says, did I not tell you? That if you believe, you will see the glory of God, no matter how this thing turns out. That if you believe, you will see the glory of God, even in the midst of failure and mistake. You will see the glory of God, even when the promise isn't fulfilled. I believe that we will see the glory of God. So what did they do? They took away the stone. They prepared for the miracle. Jesus said to them, he tells all of us, what roadblock is in your life? What stands in the midst of me fulfilling what I want to do? Listen to him. He'll tell you and he'll say, take the stone away. And that's what you got to do. I don't know what that means. But as I was reading it, I, I know that there's some sort of preparation for the miracle, what God wants to do in your life and the glory he wants to reveal. So he says, take away the stone and they took away the stone. Then Jesus, look at this faith, looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me even before the miracle. And that's why we teach you to pray in advance. Thank God in advance for what he's going to do in your life. 
When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, Mary and Martha, take off those grave clothes. Take off those dead things. Take off those weights. I don't know how much this story is about Lazarus as it is about Mary and Martha and their experience with the promise and the faithfulness of God. And Jesus tells them, now as you see it, it it may not be as you planned, as you walked through this season and the timing of God may look crazy to you, but I want you to believe as you receive what maybe not, it wasn't what is intended, when you receive it, I want you to take off the baggage, I want you to take off all the things that don't belong there, and I want you to receive the life that God intends to give to every person. If you're Mary and Martha today struggling in verse 25, I'm here to encourage you. And if you're in verse 36 or wherever you might be weeping, I'm here to encourage you. If you've received a miracle, I'm here to tell you, let's go. Take off the grave clothes and the things that would bind that miracle and that promise and walk in the fullness of the Lord. So the Holy Spirit, to kind of conclude, just in ideas of the Holy Spirit in the midst of not yet. Some of us have, have experienced great highs. Some of us have experienced great lows. But no matter where we are in this life at the moment, we still, every person, no matter how good your life is, if you have a boat or not, <laughs> or whatever, you know, we're still in a not yet phase. We're still in a moment of not complete fulfillment. The, the Bible offers contentment through the power of His Spirit. He offers joy and peace even in the midst. But we have to know we're not home yet. And the Holy Spirit helps us through this season and this life of not yet. Amen? And here's a few ways that he does that. The Holy Spirit prays through you. Remember, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The Bible tells us in Romans 8, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Oftentimes we do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself can intercede for us through wordless groans. In other words, Pour your heart out to the Lord and watch the Spirit move through your life. Because when the Spirit moves through your life, He changes you. He changes, oh, I'm telling you, He changes the, the vein structure in your body. He, he, he flows through your being and creates a new. It's like the old is gone and the new has come. And we struggle with that because there's a lot of things we've built up generationally that still come. You're like, the new is supposed to be here. Continue to pray in the Spirit. Continue to let Him pray through you and watch the new roller in your life continue to develop and continue to expand into this new person creating you into the likeness of Christ from glory to glory and the church said amen amen that's what he does so let him pray through you it's not some crazy thing yes it's a mystery that we don't quite understand but it's just giving the Holy Spirit your all not being afraid not being ashamed just to just to pour out your heart one way you know I, I, I tell the youth and I just don't want to assume anything but there's something that happens when you're not feeling it and like the spirit you don't feel the spirit moving in your life and you go before your feelings like physically like you open up your hands even when your heart's closed off or you you start to dance even when you don't want to or you start to jump or shout something happens in the spirit when you physically just say I don't care what I'm gonna feel like what I feel like I'm just gonna give God everything just gonna just gonna give him everything because he's worthy of it right we talked about that it's not about us being worthy in worship 
It's about him being worthy of our mind, soul, and body, and strength, and everything. This is our spiritual act of worship. In view of God's mercy, offer your body, Romans 12, as a living sacrifice. This is holy and pleasing to God. So the next thing, the Holy Spirit causes fruit to spring up in your life apart from works. He does. When we're walking by the Spirit, we end up modeling our lives accordingly. You know, we talked about purpose last week a little bit, and and hopefully you were grateful for that. You're like, man, thank you for talking about purpose. Now I have purpose, now I can live differently. But but I wanna clear something up about that. You know, if you say, I'm sure glad you talked about that. My, My purpose is to be a doctor, let's say, for example. So I have this talent and an ability, and I think that's great. And it's not necessarily wrong, but your purpose is bigger than being a doctor. I wanna tell you that. Because your purpose cannot be taken from you. What I mean by that is the hospital shuts down. According to what we decided is your purpose, then your purpose is shut down as well. However, your purpose is given completely exclusive to what you do. What you do is a way by which we can act out our purpose, but it is not our purpose. I want to remind you. You are not defined by what you do because it can't be taken from you. You are defined by who God says you are and what God has done for you. Someone say amen. I am a child of God and he gave up his son to show how much I'm worth. No small salary or business failure or grade can take that away from you and your purpose. Walking according to the spirit with your eyes on the one in the middle will lead you on this journey into to the purpose destined from the beginning of time for your life set aside and this does not come with your job title or your followers on Instagram this is about life with Jesus and influencing your circle for his glory can I get a good amen amen that's it and that's what the Holy Spirit does exclusive to what you do as your job title your purpose is greater than that help us to see that today And then the final thing is the Holy Spirit is the compass pointing to true north, which is Jesus, the one in the middle. Verse 13 of John 16 says this, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me So that's how you know if someone's filled in the spirit, they glorify Jesus. They talk about Jesus. He's the one, he's the one that gets all the glory. So the spirit through people will glorify Jesus because it's from Jesus that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. Remember everything in in Luke 15, everything I have is yours now by the power of the spirit. That is why I said the spirit you will receive from me what he will make known to you. The Holy Spirit is the compass pointing to true north. He's the Holy Spirit, the rescuer of your soul. Your only hope of living in the path of purpose in the way of Jesus. We're called to walk by the Spirit so we won't gratify the desires of our natural inclinations. Our flesh must go down. That's your understanding. That's your intellect. They're not all bad things, but they must surrender to Jesus to therefore be brought up by his mighty hand and rescued by the Spirit. He is our hero. In this world, we were without hope and without God, but Jesus by Jesus. Would the band come up? Um, We're going to finish with communion. Um, How fitting, right, on Pentecost Sunday to talk about communion with Jesus. Communion. It's it's such a beautiful idea. Everyone have their cups. If you don't have your cup, would you raise your your hand? And um, Tim Scowles can get you one. Everyone got their... uh, Drinking a little cracker. Church Online, maybe this is a moment where you can go and get yours if you haven't already. And we're going to take communion together. You guys can come on stage. Yep. 
young guns. The oldest is 16. The twins are 16. Lance is 15. Carter's 14. Audrey's 14. And Brooke is 14. That is incredible. Come on. Yeah. That's when I started. It's so fulfilling. Give these kids opportunity. It's so fulfilling. It, it, it just, just a side note, it's so fulfilling to live beyond yourself and not make it about yourself. Life is not about yourself. You'll realize that when, if you have a family or you have people that you influence, people that you're mentoring. Life is so much more fulfilling when you can live, not vicarious, but like live through other people. Like this is incredible. So now it's like the idea of like I, I was 14 and now we have all you guys. What are we doing, Ollie? Oh, they don't know the password. See, <laughs> it's amazing. So why, why communion today? Um, well, first of all, it's a, it's a sacrament, and the Lord tells us to do that in Scripture. He tells us, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. But the only way we have the Holy Spirit, Jesus actually asked the Father if there was any other way. And I don't even know if the Lord answered, if God answered. Isn't that crazy? That's, that's crazy to think about. But he asked him three times, Take this cup. There was no other way for you to come in communion with the Father except through Jesus. What He did on the cross for you and for me. And that's how we receive the Holy Spirit. And that's why it's important to, it might just seem like just a chore that we do or, or a ritual or a tradition. It's so much more than that. It's really what you make it. But scripture tells us that as we take it, it's essentially doing the same things as if actually, it's not the actual blood and actual, obviously, can't buy his blood from Amazon, but <laughs> it's, it's a representative and, it, and it's a symbol, but we believe as Christians of faith that it works the same way as if you're eating drinking because that's what he tells us to do I know it's crazy that's what he tells us to do first Corinthians 11 says this for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which he referenced that, that from the least to the greatest, they'll know him by the power of his spirit. This is the new covenant of my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And I'm sure as Jesus was doing that on that night, the disciples were thinking about the moment with Lazarus. And they were thinking about the moment with the fish. They were thinking about the five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. They were thinking when, when they called him and Matthew was a tax collector trying to exploit people and being a liar. And Jesus called him out. They were thinking about the outcast that was yelling, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus went. He says, do this in remembrance of me. They're thinking about all these moments, man, that they've had with Jesus. And that's what we're called to do. It's not just a moment that we remember and we go, oh man, the cross, yeah, that's great. But we think about the moments of Jesus. He says, do this in remembrance of me. What's that mean? Do it with joy and celebration of what I've done. Do it with, with happiness and love. Do it with, with clapping your hands and singing and rejoicing, but also do it, yes, and mourn. But do it in remembrance of me. So that in Hebrews 4, it says, let us then now approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Can we stand together?
So here's what I want to do at the end of this. Um, they're actually going to sing two songs. Um, I'm going to have them sing Living Hope again while we take communion. And you're going to do it on your own. You, you take the bread and then you take the cup. But I want to give you a moment during this song that Audrey so beautifully is going to lead again. Um, and and come, come to the altar, if you will, and we can pray for you. Or make an altar at your seat, whatever you want to do. But I, want, I, I challenge you, with, with the students, we always like, you know, just find a place. That's all. Find a place and meet the Lord. And, and if you come up here, we'll, we'll, we'll pray for you. It doesn't mean that you're this crazy sinner or whatever. No, it's just I want to lay my life down before the Lord. And I want to have a moment alone with my Savior who's worthy of a moment alone right here and right now. So we're going to have an opportunity to pray. And then we're going to do another song. And it's going to be our declaration song of praise. Sound good? Yeah. So let me pray and then you can kind of move to your space as we sing this final song. Lord, I thank you, God, for this opportunity with the Holy Spirit that we have, that he's living inside of us, that he's not some mystical thing out there, but he's actually closer than our breath. He's inside of us. I pray that we would take this moment to be intentional about fixing our eyes and our thoughts on you, asking you where you want us to go. Not, you don't have to reveal the whole path, but God, just nudges of, of unction, Lord, of your Holy Spirit anointing to fill us in such a way that gives us the peace and the comfort and the security of knowing my guide is with me. My guide is here. And as we take this bread and we take this cup, Lord, we do it in remembrance of, of you. We think back on what we've read of what you were like when you walked among us on this earth. And you say, I am the good shepherd. You say, I am the light of the world. You say, I am the resurrection and the life. That's who you are. And that's who we remember in this moment now. So help us, help every person, whatever season they're in, to find rest right here in communion with you, in intimacy with you, Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit. And the church said, amen, amen. amen.